1: Hello everyone, welcome to Tuesday's edition of Roundball Stew on NBC Sports Edge. With me today, as usual, my co-host from Roto World, Jared Johnson. Jared, we can begin with a discussion last night of the finish in Phoenix, which was fantastic. I don't know if you're able to see it, but your guy, John ja Morant, who we talked about at the start of last week's Tuesday episode, uh, we'll talk about him in a different context this week. And that is a game-winning layup, 0.5 seconds left, gave his team a one-point lead after it looked like Devin Booker might be the hero. Were you able to watch this game? Did you did you get to revel in the last-minute game winner there from your guy?
2: Yes, I was actually watching it for Top Shot reasons because they were having a, a flash challenge. Oh yes. And it was actually going between Desmond Bain and John Morant. And in Top mm. Shot, Desmond Bain only has two moments. John Morant has a bunch. So I almost had this moment, but then because of Desmond Bain's insane game, they actually tied <laughs> in points, and Desmond Bain got the call. And anyways, but yes, I was watching it, and it was incredible. And mm. I was hoping for that that last bucket by John Morant to seal the deal for me. But in Top Shot world, it was a tie, and the tiebreaker went to Dylan Brooks. But it was it was quite a fantastic
1: so when you're watching a game like like that you've got the real world action that's happening you've got fantasy considerations and on top of that as if listeners don't know jared writes our top shot column every week i myself am a top shot Collector is that the term for it? But um, anyway, it's a lot of fun. They do flash challenges. Last night, I believe you needed this top seven scorers, one from each game. Yeah, the
2: leaders and and like yeah, the leaders in all the categories. So like that Desmond Bain with this ridiculous stat line. What did he have? It was career high thirty two points, six triples. There was a bunch of other stats Mm -hmm. in there, and that's. I love desmond (laughs) bain i love both these guys so it was like i I was rooting for both because i have both in fantasy but Mm -hmm. i was specifically rooting a little bit harder for Ja.
1: (laughs) i i get it all you need to do now jared i think is add some some prop bets or some over-unders to your retinue and then you'll you'll (laughs) suddenly you know be viewing the game on four different levels (laughs) as if you need
2: that actually is really fun though. Yeah. I I do enjoy doing that, like putting little prop bets. It's it's just like another aspect of the game to get excited.
1: Yeah, about. I don't even know so, if we've yeah. talked about this, but last season, I got a I developed a, a habit for betting on PJ Tucker over under for scoring. It was just like a re- a weird random <laughs> game within a game, and it always the line was set at like four and a half points, and yeah. So based on who the matchups were and you know how many. Corner three pointers right. they gave up that kind of thing I'd be like ah this looks like a good matchup for, for my boy PJ Tucker
2: did you use our, our our machine for
1: that for those decisions? I did yes yeah the season tools of course the NBC Sports Edge season tools has predictors for every game they'll show you prop bets on points bet so you can look at them they'll they'll give you. Very easy to see which lines look like the best possible odds based on matchups, recent performance. They factor in all sorts of stuff. So yes, to your point, makes it much, much easier to target the best prop bets by using NBC Sports Edge season tools. But you mentioned our guide.
2: Very very powerful tools on that end.
1: It is, surely. I don't want to glaze over it. I feel like we could spend a half hour talking about all the different tools that are in there. I encourage listeners to go explore them for yourself. On that note, I might as well get right to it since we brought it up. There is a season sale. You can still, it's not too late, give the gift of NBC Sports Edge Plus this holiday season. You can get 15% off annual subscriptions by using the code HOLIDAY15 at checkout. This offer turns to Cole on December 31st, so visit NBCSportsEdge.com slash EdgePlus today and remember, all of our premium tools for fantasy, DFS, and betting are all included in one low edge plus subscription, which is now 15% off with the code holiday15. But, Jared, getting back to Desmond Bain, you said you mentioned it 32 points, six three pointers. That was a career high in scoring. He had a full stat line. He's so good. I wonder how much of that do you attribute? To Dylan Brooks being out. Now we know Desmond Bain can and will continue to produce value with Brooks back. We've already seen that, but it's no coincidence, right, that he scored 32 points, career high, on a night when Brooks was out with with protocols.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, he's he's had these fantastic runs when either John ja Morant and or now both yep. Dylan Brooks and Anthony Melton are now in protocols. But look, when the team isn't, when the team's just missing one of those key scorers. He steps right into that role, and he looks fantastic. He's having a fantastic season. He's certainly a pleasure to watch. I don't think that he'll... Yeah, the slowdown is very marginal, in my opinion, because he's when he isn't scoring quite like this, he's still really efficient. So he's not really hurting you anywhere. So I, mm-hmm. I, I quite enjoy having him on my roster. One of the better late-round picks on, on most of my teams.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I'm glad that you brought brought up the across the board production, which definitely helps because he's not a guy who depends wholly on usage, right? So Brooks being back, not a death knell, maybe a, a round or two ding, but that's all right. But we mentioned, you know, watching these games for reality, as well as fantasy, of course, and I just wanted a quick note to point out that Memphis is quietly the number four team in the West. They have a 21-14 and record. They thrived while John Morant was out, but obviously even better with him back. Coach Taylor Jenkins has his team playing exceptionally well. It's just a really fun storyline. So something, you know, in a season full of health and safety protocols, which we'll talk plenty about even on this episode, it's just nice to see a a team kind of gel Come together, you know, in a small market with just solid draft picks, good free agency moves. Even the Valanciunas for Stephen Adams switch is paying off nicely. And John yeah. Morant and Desmond Bain, this is per ESPN stats and info, became the first starting backcourt in Grizzlies franchise history to score 30 plus points in the same game, and they're the first starting backcourt, 23 years old or younger, to both score 30 plus in the NBA since 1997. When it was accomplished by Alan Iverson and Jerry Stackhouse. So
2: that's, wild. that's how good these guys are. So just. I'm su- that's surprising. I'm just trying to think of who Mike Conley's running mate was. Was it Rudy Gay at some point? I mean, they've had good backcourts. Yeah, so that's Gay impressive. would have been that's certainly impressive. qualifying
1: a small forward or so. But in, in any case, yeah. Right. I don't know. Well, that's an exercise for another day, but points to how good Moran and Bain are. (laughs) But but before we go any further, let's not forget a pickup of the day. This again comes from NBC Sports Season Tools. This is from Monday's Games, courtesy of our colleague Steve Alexander and Jared. I, I don't know if you caught this in our group Slack chat, but it was Dr. A's birthday yesterday and he got stuck covering seven Seven games for us last night. (laughs) Deller blurbs as usual. So if you read our news last night, those came courtesy of the birthday boy. Happy birthday, Steve. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry you had to work on your birthday.
2: Happy birthday, Steve.
1: But he writes, Nasir Little, 10% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Little started on Monday and made 7 of 14 shots, two three-pointers for a season-high 20 points, 10 rebounds, two assists two steals and two blocks in 34 minutes. He's not a good free throw shooter, but has played at least 30 minutes in four straight games. Go get him. I couldn't agree more. I think Nasir Little should be rostered in far more leagues. He's up to 12%, as I say this. So that's a 2% bump. Hopefully that represents the people who read Dr. A's pickup of the day. But, you know, 10%, 12%, whatever it might be, extremely low. He's out there. He's available this isn't to me just a health and safety protocol streaming pick, right? He's, he's the starter, Robert Covington coming off the bench. Now I think was really the thing that triggered it. I don't see why Nas little couldn't be a factor the rest of the season, you know, maybe not a top 75 guy, but definitely with defensive stats and threes, he could be like a Rocco light type player who gives you value in eight cat nine cat, even if he's not a high
2: volume score. Yeah. I like what he does on the defensive end. I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I do feel like this is coinciding with the entire front court being missing in action in Portland. I, I mean, I would say just get him while that's still a factor. He's certainly going to be logging significant minutes while Covington, Nurkic, and I guess Cody Zeller are all out. So yeah, that, the potential is there for sure. And he's flashed it a lot. It's it's not it's not what he does in the scoring category. It's what he does with, with the defensive stats and, and I just feel good about his minutes. I feel like he's versatile enough
1: to play multiple positions. You mentioned the front court banged out, but he could play small forward, power forward and yeah, just playing time is going to be there. You know, Chauncey Billups is, if he had any hair to rip out, he probably would be doing it as he seeks guys who would just play with effort and determination and grit. He's finding that in in little. So I think the playing time's there. This is also a 13 and 20 team that's, you know, not faring very well. And here they have a potential diamond in the rough. All the more reason for him to get playing time down the stretch. So... Another guy I love as a potential short-term player with long-term upside, I say go get him. But unfortunately, we do need to talk about health and safety protocols, this time with a bit of an optimistic slant. I'll, I'll let you take this away. There were some rule changes yesterday. Can you explain to listeners what those entailed?
2: Yeah, so the NBA for fully vaccinated players who are disple- who are asymptomatic, they will be able to clear quarantine In six days, well, it's technically seven days because they count the day you test positive as day zero. But essentially, it's going to be a seven-day quarantine for fully vaccinated asymptomatic players instead of a 10-day quarantine, which was honestly a little bit brutal because, as we've seen multiple times, a 10-day quarantine is more like a 14-day because, with a few exceptions, most guys need a ramping-up process once they clear that quarantine period. Now when it's reduced to seven days, hopefully their conditioning won't be as far as behind as it is when you're out of the works for 10 days. And hopefully this just makes Mm -hmm. (laughs) fantasy hoops a little bit more manageable. We've actually seen, this is from Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. We've seen 546 players appear in the NBA this season, which is the most in any season in NBA history, and we're we're not even halfway through the year. <laughs> we have two two hundred thirty players on our injury yeah. report. We had um yeah a twenty four guys That's going nuts. to protocols on Sunday, which was a single day high. I was working that day; it was um a lot to deal with. But we're seeing this rule change go into effect, and. Like, for example, we saw Trey Young come back last night after just seven days out. And, and that was because he was able to prove that he was no longer contagious. And this morning, we just got news that both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have, have cleared quarantine, going off on a mini tangent here. These new rules will not impact non-vaccinated players. So Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal will still need to go through the same 10-day quarantine process Nothing changes for them. but we have 97% of the league vaccinated uh, last time I checked. So for the majority of players and coaches, it's going to be a much shortened quarantine period. So that's that was mm-hmm. the major news from from yesterday. And it's fantastic news for,
1: I mean, really, society in general because the CDC updated their guidelines for quarantining just for anybody with CoVID based on different rules glad to see it trickle down to the nba hopefully our fantasy rosters will be somewhat more manageable in the very near future (laughs) yeah it's crazy Uh, the numbers you just cited are bonkers i mean 232 players on our injury report is completely unprecedented it's yeah it you know every year we come to a point where we're like oh there's so many injuries what's going on and we try to attribute it to this or that you know too many back-to-backs four games and five nights well they've dealt with some of that with the schedule but This is like, you know, obviously unlike anything we've ever seen. So hopefully the second half of the season is a little bit easier. Some of these games have been rescheduled or postponed, not rescheduled yet. Not going to help players in head-to-head leagues necessarily, depending when those postponed games have been rescheduled. But hopefully another thing this rule change does is minimize the need to postpone further games between the shortened quarantine period, the mandatory signings for hardship uh, replacement players And other rules that the NBA and MBPA have put in place, you know, that's the goal. Minimize these postponements, keep players on the court, because the NBA is doing anything and everything they can to stop, or to not, rather, pause the season. Adam Silver basically has said repeatedly, we need to learn how to live with this, how to play through it. So. This six-day quarantine period, seven days really,
2: will be a big step in that direction. And that, just to put that 232 number in context, we have 232 players on our injury report. <laughs> That's over half the league. Yeah. A lot of guys. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, moving on. It's crazy. I mean,
1: 232 <laughs> players on the injury report. If you have 12-man uh, rotations, just do the math. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> Okay, but let's go on to another positive story, and that is Kemba Walker's unlikely reemergence. Uh, I mean, to me, the sell high opportunity here is so obvious that it destroys his value completely. I think you might as well just hold on to him and see where it goes. I just yeah. got him off the waiver wire in a company league with shallow benches and one IR, so there's plenty of value to be had on the wire. But it just goes to show uh. that that faith in Kemba is not universal. There are plenty. There's plenty of skepticism even with Derrick Rose on the shelf for a long time. But in light of that, and in light of his extremely good play since he returned to the rotation, I'm kind of a believer. Julius Randle has been talking about himself and Kemba as like the twin pillars of the Knicks said, they're only going to go as far as as those two take them and that they've gotten a do over after a, a rough start to this season. So all the signs now, obviously it comes down to Tom Thibodeau's whims and, he's not going to divulge those to the media, but it looks like his hand is being forced by Kemba. So do you agree? And are you, you know, do you agree with my take that there's really no trade value here because everyone has seen him be unceremoniously benched for 10 games. So why would we trade a top 50 player to get Kemba at this point?
2: Oh yeah. You're not getting top 50 value.
1: Well, top 50 that was, you know, (laughs) bad example, but even top, top 100, I
2: think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe in like a, maybe like a newbie <laughs> league maybe i I don't think that in any of my leagues I could really extract much value for him but maybe you could also throw him in as, as a sweetener and like a two for one to get to get a higher tier player but yeah in general I think that you just kind of when you when you get someone like this off the waiver wire you pretty much just enjoy the ride same with like Al Horf- Al horford earlier in the year pretty much no one no one likes giving you fair value for solid waiver wire pickups. It's just a thing. So I saw Kemba on the waiver wire, like when it was reported that he was going to get that start and mm-hmm. I passed and I very much regret <laughs> passing in all the places because he has been going bonkers. Yeah. You know, Rose is out for however many weeks with that ankles procedure. The, the only thing is, is there's way too many point cards on this team. Yeah. I guess you know Miles McBride, he didn't travel for their upcoming four-game trip, so that's at least four games with him out. Quickly is he went into protocols on Christmas, so he might get back this week. That's the main concern is just how many guards and how is Tom Thibodeau going to handle his rotation, which he tends to be very strict with. So the fact that Kemba has moved into the first unit and is receiving quality minutes and getting all these shot attempts to me is kind of forcing Tom Thibodeau's hand to keep him in there and like you said if, mm-hmm. if Julius Randle franchise pillar is hyping him up all the more reason to just keep rolling him out there so I, I would be a believer to the extent that look he cost you nothing to acquire mm-hmm. and he's putting up bonkers numbers so you just enjoy that
1: Yeah, I'd say the biggest concern, you know, especially without Derrick Rose, you mentioned there are a lot of guards There, there could be some concern there. But it might help to get a Miles McBride back to take some minutes off Kemba's plate, because my concern is that he's averaging 40.3 minutes in four games in December Uh, for a guy with, you know, we don't even need to get into his history of knee injuries. It's too obvious that if he keeps playing this much, there's going to be a problem health wise. So. You know, as as a manager, I wouldn't mind seeing his minutes come down to 32-34 a game because 38-40 is just asking for problems. So, yeah, ride him until the wheels fall off, everyone. And Miles McBride, you mentioned him. I was going to get into him, but we don't need to. I'm kind of into him in deep leagues. I think there's some potential here, and he could be a Thibs guy. We You know, he looked great the other night in a a fill-in start. Tibbs had nothing but good things to say about him said he plays multiple positions, which is a key thing to keep in mind. He's unselfish. He sprays it out. These are quotes from Tibbs, by the way, who's, you know, typically pretty stingy with, with praise called him a strong two-way player. If you sag off him, he's going to shoot. Speaking of McBride, he can make it, he can finish. And he's a great worker. McBride himself said that it's ingrained in his DNA to be a monster on defense. So, Just a guy to keep an eye on as we go. Oh, quickly, I wanted to get your thoughts on Alec Burks. Is he toast at this point? Are you just cutting him loose? Are you holding for a couple more games to see how he fares back in that six-man role? What's your take? I'm
2: holding him for one more game. That five-pointer was (laughs) five points in 18 minutes. Not great. But they play tonight on actually Tuesday to to, Tuesday. This week's Tuesday has a, quite a bit of games going on, but I'm going to allow him to play tonight and then I'll make a decision after that. But if it's another minutes in the teens situation, I'm not attached. Yeah, I mean, if he's
1: being outplayed
2: by Quentin Grimes and
1: potentially Miles McBride, forget it. And I believe in his past 10, I mean, he had an extended chance to really seize that starting job. And I think yeah, he shot, shot something like 31% over a 10-game span, so... Not doing much to benefit fantasy managers there with that brutal shooting either. All right, is it RJ Hampton time? Shifting gears, I you know I said before the season potential waiver wire pickup of the year type guy. Someone we saw finish very strong when he was kind of let run loose late last season. We we're getting glimpses of it. I continually return to the fact that he's a, a young guy on a very bad team. Yes, they have a lot of guards, but I think they'll find a way to get him involved. He played 32 minutes in his return versus Miami on Sunday, had 14 points, five dimes, two steals, two three-pointers, one block. Now that was a, you know, the magic rotation is chaos right now. Hassani Gravett was on a a 10-day deal. He played 33 minutes as a starter in that game. So that's just an indication of where we are. Um, Not reading a ton into the fact that Hampton played 32 minutes. But unlike Gravit, he's a real rotation player who's going to be on this team and featured as the season goes on. You know, is it time to grab him everywhere? I am. I'm going to get him yet another guy with a short-term boost. And then maybe this is the moment when they shift to just playing him 28, 30 minutes going forward for better or worse. And don't get me wrong. This guy has some ugly moments on the court. He's a bit unpredictable. Shot shot selection, still work in progress. Turnovers can be a little chaotic, but man, the the fantasy upside, the stat packing fun factor too is just off the charts. So I love having him on my roster wherever I can afford
2: it. I'm quite a fan of, of RJ. We've talked about him in the past. It's just a matter of him getting those minutes. He hasn't been consistently getting those minutes, but with 12 guys on Orlando's injury report, he's getting those minutes by default. In that last game, they started Gravit because Cole Anthony was still out for that one. I believe Cole Anthony is going to be back for this next one. Uh, So that'll be telling to see if he he can keep those minutes in the 30s with Cole Anthony back in the mix there's so many injuries, but in <laughs> just, just, just in general, I do think he's a guy who has great second half potential. He showed us last year that he has great second half potential. It's just a matter of him getting the minutes. So, yeah, I do think that he's a guy that makes sense to go grab. If you have someone to cut. Yeah, for sure. I just need to see, I mean, eventually Terrence
1: Ross, Gary Harris are going to fall by the wayside. So I think when that happens, then it's full on gold rush make sure hampton is rostered until then you know you're there's a bit of a, a gap where maybe you don't need to get him quite yet but anyway keep him on all your watch lists that's for sure yeah a player with a bit of a short-term opportunity that isn't protocol based for once is omer Yurtseven, who has been a rebounding monster recently he has 12 rebounds or more in five straight games Again, I think he's better than most streamers because the guys ahead of him are not out due to COVID. Bam Adebayo is out. I think he's still got you know X number of weeks in his rehab. Dwayne Dedman is out a few weeks with a sprained knee. It's a grade one sprain, so should only be a couple weeks. Markeith Morris has been out since Nicole Jokic gave him whiplash. You know, is it your seven time? Is is he a guy to roster everywhere? And I can find out very quickly what his roster rate is.
2: 43%. Okay, there you go. Up to over 40%. So savvy managers have already made the move. I think I wrote about him as a pickup of the day on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I think his roster ship was in the teens. (laughs) So that has shot up. But Mm -hmm. yes, I definitely think that he's a guy that should be rostered. It'll be interesting to see... How he plays tonight with P.J. Tucker, I think he's probable. Might be wrong on that. Let me check really quick.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: He's questionable. So, So if P.J. Tucker gets back, maybe that throws a little bit of a wrench into his playing time. But still, the game on Sunday was the first time that he started and cracked 30 minutes, 16 points, 15 boards. He hasn't been really doing anything with the defensive stats. He's had a handful of swats, but it's not really where his game comes from. It's it's mostly just that he's been a rebounding machine, and I like I like it when you can give me mm-hmm. when you give me over twelve rebounds a night. Cool, I, I appreciate it. So so I think it's really how much does PJ's Tucker's return if that happens impact him? But that's really the only guy, like you said. Um, Bam isn't Bam isn't coming back soon, Mm -hmm. and neither is Deadman. So I I I like him quite a bit, and he also showed us a lot of flashes during Summer League.
1: Yeah, you know, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, the Heat play Tuesday and Wednesday, so that would be a perfect time to pick him up. He was also, you say, you wrote about him on Sunday. I believe Matt and Steve talked about him on Monday's pod as a waiver wire pickup. We're talking about him again, so no lack of hype from the Roto World Hoops crew. Another guy who doesn't need us to hype him necessarily is cam reddish he's coming off his own one man hype performance of 33 points on 11 of 23 shooting he made eight triples on 13 attempts at four boards a block played 40 minutes so my question to you obviously pick him up stream him great i'm talking more fantasy ceiling on the one hand for the rest of this season knowing that you know healthy teammates are going to come back and then just going forward let's say cam reddish finds himself in an ideal situation on a new team next year or something like that what is his just raw fantasy ceiling where do you, where do you see this guy going in his career
2: i think that he really honestly has top 50 upside we've this isn't the first time we've talked about oh, reddish there. yeah and he's mm-hmm. this is why we've been screaming about how he should be rostered in more leagues i think the last time we talked about him he was in at like 18% and after these strong performances, he's up to 42%, which is, honestly, he should be higher than that because Atlanta is mm-hmm. still missing a majority of their roster. And he's showing what he can do when he's given these quality minutes and and quality shot, uh, shot-making opportunities. I don't know what happens when the team is healthy again. Maybe he regresses slightly, but he still showed flashes in that reserve role. So I think this is the best that we'll see from him in Atlanta, but he and he's also been someone that's been mentioned in on the on the trading block. So maybe he finds himself in a better situation that's not quite as crowded at the forward position. But either way, no matter what, I have him in every single one of my leagues, and I think that forty-two percent should be it. Should be higher than that. I I agree, especially short term. I think the
1: trade rumors you talked about came from Shams Trenia in the Athletic and teams or of the opinion that Atlanta wants a first round draft pick if they're going to move Cam. So it was sort of a, you know, pretty vague there, but that's probably what it would take for him to maintain top 75 rest of season. He needs a situation where minutes are going to be more plentiful. And as a reminder of why that's not a given in Atlanta, just this morning, GM Travis Schlenk told us that DeAndre Hunter has been getting some shots up and could return within the next couple of weeks, a direct threat to Cam Reddish. And one of the reasons why when we talked about him in mid-January, I think, we both kind of concluded, yeah, he belo- he can be on your waiver wire. Cam Reddish, that is. Because at the time, he was averaging 16, 17 minutes a night. That's just not enough. So th- it's really situation-based. But as you said, with Atlanta missing the bulk of their roster, absolutely should be 100% on rosters. And then just kind of go from there. And as for rest of season upside, I I totally am a believer. Top 50, I think. Now that his offensive game is coming around, and it's not just last night's yeah. one-off. You know, he scored 34 points, what, a week ago? A little bit over? The guy's got it, and he's so young. He's, you know, we're barely seeing what he can do. We saw in the in the postseason, we got a flash of this guy and how he can take over games. So, yeah, I, I love it. Oh, speaking of Hawks and players missing, Bogdan Bogdanovich just entered protocols on Tuesday as we record this. So, one more thing to keep in mind. Maybe Skylar Mays makes some noise. Uh, he already played 17 minutes the other night, shot three of three with a couple of times. You know, someone to keep on your radar definitely in DFS. I don't know about season long.
2: Man, that's brutal. Bogdanovich finally had a good game and then immediately <laughs> goes into protocols. Jeez, yeah. man. I There's always more a depressing chance. than being yeah. excited about Skylar Mays, but I think Skylar Mays is the guy, but jeez. Yeah. Ah. Man. the hits just okay. keep on coming jared well uh, maybe he'll only be out for he has five a days. 7 day quarantine hopefully yeah. so there's always there a go. chance when when we report these things there's always a chance that the player
1: returned a false positive they'll get a couple of negative tests and be be done in a day but something to keep in mind i think we saw that with lebron earlier maybe a couple other players yeah it's
2: it's 2 days it's two negative tests over a 48 hour period so mm-hmm. There you go. Jared, a walking almanac of COVID regulations and
1: statistics (laughs) at this point. That's where we're at. All right.
3: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference.
0: Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
3: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac, or drop a crispy fry between the car seats, or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive at participating mcdonald's
1: if you're listening please go download the NBC sports predictor app powered by points bet and enter this week's free nba pick and roll contest for a chance to win fifty thousand dollars this week we're highlighting matchups between the clippers and celtics lakers and grizzlies and knicks and pistons so if you do not have the predictor app yet download it now And while you're in the App Store and thinking about apps, please, if you like this podcast, do rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify. It really helps us, and we appreciate it. Okay, Jared, moving to Minnesota. Nathan Knight was a guy. Another, you know, health and safety protocol special. 20 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 triples, 1 steal, and a block in Monday's win over the Celtics. That game had me screaming to the waiver wire in our 30-team league, but former colleague Aaron Burski had already picked him up. This comes in the wake of Carl Anthony Towns and Nasrid being out of the lineup in protocols. We even saw Greg Monroe get dusted off, picked up, signed to a 10-day, score 11 points with nine boards, six assists. Am Am I reading that right? I didn't watch this game. Two steals and a block in 25 minutes.
2: Six assists, yeah.
1: Either of those big men... Appeal to you again with the
2: understanding this is a very short term situation, but is do either of them appeal to you more than the other? More than the other, well, Nathan Knight's the one with an actual contract, so I guess I'll go with him. But <laughs> I like them both, okay. Both, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Nas Reed are out this week, so that's and also Jared Vanderbilt. He might be, I, I'm not sure on the timeline of Vanderbilt and Prince, but I know that Kat and Nas Reed are not expected to play this week. So that's an entire week of value for both these guys. Uh, we saw Nathan Knight shine in spot stars for Atlanta last year. So we know that he's capable of doing this. Um, Greg Monroe, this is we've seen him throughout his career kind of do this. And he's fresh. He's been playing in, uh, I think, overseas. So I'm, I'm a fan. And speaking of that mm-hmm. silly 30 deep league that you're a fan of, and I am absolutely not, Uh, I was trying desperately to pick up Greg Monroe, but he wasn't in the system. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) But uh, he is now, and I'm trying to figure out which of these guys I'm going to cut. Despise that league. Anyways. (laughs) I may be able to help your decision-making there, because there's
1: been updated reports when the Wolves were looking at the official NBA injury reports that come out, and the Wolves have listed all of their health and safety protocol guys as active. They were I was... previously out, now listed as active. They could be. And Carl Anthony Towns entered protocols, if I'm reading this correctly, on December 23rd. So there is a chance that he My has test,
2: off. Yeah. tested yeah.
1: out of protocols, I believe. D'Angelo Russell is a weird one because he's only been in protocols for three days. So it, it's a bit of confusion as we record this. Hopefully that will be clarified. As usual, check out NBC Sports Edge, Roto World's player news page for the latest
2: details, but... I saw that yesterday, and I thought it was like a clerical (laughs) error because they were all listed as available. So you're Mm -hmm. saying still in in today's injury report, they're all listed as available.
1: Yes, there seems to be... Oh, here we go. Anthony Edwards, now Shams is weighing in. It's all breaking news, folks. This was 10 minutes ago. Anthony Edwards cleared league protocols on Tuesday, but according to Shams Trania, he will need a ramp-up period before
2: making his return. There you go. But what about Kat? Nothing on him. That's so interesting. Okay. So in any case... That's not seven days. I mean, maybe it was a false positive for D'Lo. Torian Prince has cleared
1: protocols and will rejoin the team, but won't play versus the Knicks on Tuesday. Similarly, Anthony Edwards and Nas Reed. So they're coming back. I don't see any definitive report that Cat will play, and there's definitely nothing on D'Angelo Russell. So again... We're kind of learning this as we talk. Go check out NBC Sports Edge Player News when you hear this, and you'll have a clearer picture of what's going on here. I'll just wrap up that segment by saying that if Kat and Nasrid are to miss more games, I'm definitely going with Nathan Knight. No offense. I have a nostalgic interest in Greg Monroe, but the guy can't play defense. And yeah, I just tr- have more faith in Knight. Well, like I said, he has a contract. Greg <laughs> Monroe's right. on a tender. So. <laughs> right, right. And similar similar situation where do you don't you pick this guy up and stream him? Jalen Noel erupted for twenty nine points with six boards, six threes, three assists, and a steal. It's only going to matter if Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards miss more time.
2: So keep an eye on the report there and dilo But yeah, he's actually a guy that yeah. I like. Oh yeah, uh, he f- he flashed this upside last season, and in the game I watched mm-hmm. earlier this year, they were closing out the game and they were like basically running the offense through. Noel so he he is a quite the intriguing player to watch and put on monitor but like you said it, it's completely dependent on what's going on with um, D'Angelo Russell and their dilapidated backcourt yeah
1: I don't really understand why Noel is not getting more playing time or already so in any case a player to keep an eye on especially if the Wolves record deteriorates much more over the course of the season Jared, we're running out of time, but I want to talk about a couple more names. Uh, Luca Garza by default. Is he going to be a guy to play Wednesday versus the Knicks? He had a team high 32% usage the other night. He fouled out in 20 minutes, but he did score 20 points with six boards and a couple threes. All of his competition for playing time is out. The Pistons' front court is non existent. Kelly Olinick out indefinitely with a grade one knee sprain. Isaiah Stewart is five days into his stint in protocol, so he could be back, but we're not sure. Jeremy Grant, obviously out with a torn thumb ligament. You know, after Wednesday, the Pistons are off until Saturday, which is great for the injured players I just mentioned, but would make Garza, even if he is a starter on
2: Wednesday, just a one-off, something to keep in mind there. Yeah, he's definitely definitely streamer quality as, as literally the only center on that roster. And Wednesday is a little bit of a lighter day,
1: right? So, and then we talked about Nas yeah. little already, so we'll, let's conclude with yet another health and safety protocol update, and that is
2: oh, no. Montrezl Harrell,
1: who line. entered, I think, late last night. He entered health oh, and safety protocols. Obviously, as someone who has Daniel Jeez. Gafford in many leagues, I I rejoiced slightly, uh, guiltily. You know, I never want to cheer another player going down, let alone <laughs> getting sick or hurt, but yet yeah, should benefit Daniel Gafford. else you see coming of this, I guess it means a couple minutes for Kyle Kuzma at the five. He hasn't fared very well there. He has a negative 17 net rating in his minutes at center this year, but Davis Bertans doesn't play any center, nor should he. So what else would the Wizards even do beyond feed minutes to Daniel Gafford here?
2: I think that's pretty much it. He's the last... Thomas Bryant also who not playing, but I saw when he went Mm -hmm. into protocols. I did not see trez going to protocols that's unfortunate for some of my teams Uh, it is maybe denny maybe denny gets a little bit more playing time pretty much it denny avdia who should already be
1: rostered we talked about this last week i was high on him as a short-term guy with long-term upside that holds truer than ever i would absolutely get him rui hachimura should be back soon he's actually going to be in uniform on tuesday but is unlikely to play He's missed the whole season under somewhat mysterious circumstances. It was a personal absence and then conditioning that's dragged on for, I think, six weeks at this point. Um, so unclear what's happening there, but he should be back. His fantasy game is kind of trash. Is that is that too harsh? He was really good during the Olympics, but I, there's no defensive stats. He rebounds very poorly for his size and position. He's not an efficient scorer. I have I see nothing for him to hang his hat on for fantasy. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. On that
2: down note, sorry, Rui and and fans of his. Wait, let's go out on an up note. Over the past two weeks, Mm -hmm. sir, since you disparaged the great Karis LeVert, Ah. top 40 value, 23 points, 6.4 dimes, two triples, 1.4 steals, 0.6 blocks, 45.3% shooting from the field, 84.4 from the stripe, and just 1.8 turnovers her game good sir
1: all right well since you wanted to play this game i'll go out on my own note which is tyrese halliburton who you disparaged (laughs) and i may have said you said some pretty harsh things i don't want to put words in your mouth but he has been absolutely electric as a De facto point guard, 20 points over the past two weeks, 10.2 assists, five boards, 2.2 threes, 2.3 steals, and a block per game, Jared.
2: He has. I've come around. We both have retractions. I've come around. We both have to write some retractions. (laughs) Come around on Tyrese.
1: There you go. All right. At least one of us was right on each of those. And (laughs) on that note, I'll see you next Tuesday, Jared. Thanks as usual. Adios.